0: Hi, everyone. My name is Al and I am the host of the MBA Insider Podcast, a podcast for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help you grow your career. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Al D., the author of MBA Insider and your host of the MBA Insider Podcast. And I'm excited today because I have a guest on the show who I've known for many years, and that is Jeremy Schiefling. Uh, Jeremy is a MBA graduate from the University of Michigan's Ross MBA program and is one of the foremost experts I know out there in terms of how to use LinkedIn to find a job or an internship, particularly for MBA students, but also for anyone who's looking for a job or an internship that's out there. And what I'm gonna talk to Jeremy about today is about how you can use LinkedIn to network and to help you find a job or internship. And Jeremy is uniquely qualified to talk about this because he is the founder of LinkedInGuys.com, which is a course that teaches you how to use LinkedIn. And that draws from Jeremy's experience actually of working at LinkedIn and some other tech companies. So, I'm really excited to have Jeremy to talk about this on something so important for MBA students as well as undergraduate students as well. So, let's take a listen to my interview with Jeremy. All right. I'm excited today because I have Jeremy Schiefling, the founder of Breaking a Tech, with me on the MBA Insider podcast. Um, Jeremy is someone who I've known for a few years, and I've always really appreciated uh, the insights and as well as the thought leadership he brings to the game of, of networking, as well as just uh, his insights on tech careers. So, um, Jeremy, uh, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Uh, it's great to chat with you again, and it's great to have you here, and I'm excited to kind of drill into um, some of your knowledge and insights. Um, but I guess um, before I, you know, pick your brain, as they say, um, icebreaker question, what was your first job when you were growing up?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here, Al. I love the new book that you've written. I love all the advice you've been sharing with students for years and just feel like i um, super honored to have a chance to share my expertise with your audience. Um, that being said, my first job was actually that classic job of being a newspaper carrier. Huh. So when I was 10 years old, I threw on my, uh, my saddle and I went off to work just like Warren Buffett did back in the day. Didn't quite work out the same way it did for Warren. Didn't make it to billionaire status, but it was a great first job.
0: Well, uh, number one, uh, you didn't turn out too shabby. And number two, there's still time. So- never say never. Um, but tell me a little bit more about yourself. You know, give me a quick background uh, uh, you know, uh, after you, know, you were 10 years old and after the paper route. Like, tell, tell me a little bit more about yourself.
1: Yeah. So I have kind of an interesting career in the sense that um, probably like many people, I've done a lot of different things. So I actually began my career as a kindergarten teacher in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. Had a chance to work for a number of great education nonprofits like Teach for America, and then ultimately decided, hey, I want to see how the other side of the city works, the Madison Avenue side or the Wall Street side. So I went to business school. And I had a chance through that opportunity to work for Apple and LinkedIn. And working for these big tech companies, I learned not just that the tech sector was more open to anyone based on um, different backgrounds than I'd ever expected before, but also using tools like LinkedIn, anyone could really break into almost any opportunity out there. And so that's what I really focused my career on in the last five or 10 years is how do I serve as many people as possible to access the opportunities that get them excited, no matter where they are, no matter how hard they are to break into.
0: Great. I I think that's awesome. And I I love the journey, your number one, your journey, but number two, um, how, um, some of your past experiences have, have helped kind of inform some of the career choices that you've made, uh, throughout your career. Um, and pulling, pulling that all the way through. And certainly it's augmented by getting an MBA and things like that. But, um, that is such a critical component, I think, of uh, being able to use business school to transition into a new career or pivot. And I, I love that was something that has been um, a part of your own career. So um, thinking back, um, you know, you mentioned you started your career as a teacher and um, I would love to know, so prior to attending business school, um, what kind of exposure did you kind of have with networking? And the reason why I asked the question is because when you're, you talk, you know, when, with breaking into tech and a lot of the things that you do and what you teach, um, a core of being able to find some of these opportunities is being able to kind of build those relationships with people. And I'm just curious, was this something you've always kind of known how to do and it just business school gave you the chance to kind of do it? Or did you have to learn this, you know, maybe the hard way?
1: Yeah, definitely not. So not only was I was a, not only was I a kindergarten teacher, but I'm also a big introvert. And so the idea of networking, just the word networking always felt like a dirty word to me, the kind of thing that I'd want to avoid at all costs. Yeah. And so I always had this sort of vision in my mind of networking as a bunch of guys with slick back hair, handing out business cards over beers, and I was just not a part of that scene. I didn't belong there. But What I've realized since then, having worked at LinkedIn, having seen people get jobs through networking that's not sketchy, but that's actually win-win, is understanding that the world is based on social relationships. The fact that we as humans, especially in this moment of crisis, need each other more than ever. And so if we can actually reach out and support our fellow human and support our fellow colleague, and then ultimately make ourselves available to them as a resource, that opens up so many doors. And it's not just about where you were born or who your parents are or where you went to school, but with a tool like LinkedIn, you can access all of these networks, all of these opportunities, and it's all accessible at your fingertips.
0: I think, that's, I think that's fantastic, the way that you kind of described it. And I also love how you gave your take on what you thought networking was, because I have a feeling you're not alone. Actually, I know, I know you're not alone, because I've had this conversation with many students and many professionals before. Um, the metaphor you're painting of the beers and the slick back hair is, I think it rings true um, for a lot of people. And um, you know, over the years, as an MBA student, uh, as a hiring manager, and certainly as an alum. Um, you've had to have a ton of networking. Um, so I guess could you maybe, you know, for folks who networking is foreign or maybe if this is just not part of their culture, um, you know, like could you kind of break it down? Like, what is it, and and why is it so important for MBA students?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I would define networking in a couple of different ways. I think the first is just keeping tabs of who you've met over the course of your life. So I think it's really natural as humans for us just to sort of say, Hey, I knew someone ten years ago but we're not in touch anymore. So that person is no longer relevant. When in fact, all the sociological research says you are much more likely to find opportunities through those quote unquote weak ties. The people we used to know, the people we used to learn from, the people we used to work with um, versus the people who are part of our more intimate strong tie networks, our family and our closest friends. And the reason for that is very simple all the people in our very close networks all know about the same opportunities yeah. you know the same jobs and the same employers and that's pretty redundant but those weak ties the folks who are a little on the periphery of your network they're the ones who have access to new opportunities that you never even knew existed and so if you want to uncover new opportunity if you want to discover it right where it exists staying in touch with folks like that is the first step and then the second step once you sort of have a sense of oh wow I've actually met lots and lots of people over the course of my life is just being bold enough to reach out. Again, not in a sketchy way, not over drinks, not with business cards, but using a tool like LinkedIn or a tool like email just to reach out and say, hey, you know, I noticed that you are in the architecture space. And I'm thinking about pivoting my career from art design to architecture, but I wanna know this is the right place for me. Could I learn from your expertise? Could I learn from your path? And that simple ask of asking for advice from another, getting the expertise of the previous generation to put towards your own story, that's the most powerful thing anyone could do as I think about what their next adventure should be.
0: I think you broke it down in a really uh, simple and easy to understand manner. And the two things I would add, um, number one, I'm sure at this point in your career, if you're listening to this podcast, someone has reached out to you and asked you for advice. Or, And and I would like to think that you probably thought to yourself, yeah, of course, I would love to be able to help. So. I think that's always something to remember of that. While it may seem foreign, we're we're probably at least a little more aware of it than we think we might be. We just may not be associating it with that specific term of networking. Um, and then the other thing I did was just to hopefully uh, elucidate your point. Um, I actually, when I met Jeremy, it was because I reached out to him on LinkedIn and sure enough, he responded. And that was maybe five or six years ago. And over that course of time, I don't think we've actually even met in person, but we've had numerous conversations via email and via chat um, and through this podcast. And so uh, people do respond and people are willing to help. Um, You just have to use all the tools that are out there at your disposal. Um, And one of those tools, which you've talked about and which you worked at is uh, is LinkedIn. Um, So I'm glad you're on here because you know a ton about LinkedIn. And so I would love to know from you, what are some of the basics that you know, MBA students should really know about when it comes to LinkedIn in terms of the features or how they can use it um, just to get them off on the right start.
1: Yeah. And just to be clear, like I know I've mentioned LinkedIn a couple of times already. I am totally advocating for using all of the free features of LinkedIn, sure. not saying, Hey, enrich me as a Microsoft shareholder by buying LinkedIn premium. <laughs> what I want people to do, even if you're not an MBA, even if you're hearing this and saying, Hey, I don't necessarily fit into those shoes. Do I belong here? know that LinkedIn is this powerful democratizing resource that does give you access to pretty much any professional in the world if you play the game the right way. And those are the rules that I want to teach you today. So that being said, there are really two sort of uh, facets, if you will, to the LinkedIn experience. There's offense and there's defense. And when I say defense, what I'm talking about is sort of how do you build a profile that is passively attracting recruiters and other professionals who you want to find you. So for example, let's say you're an MBA who's about to start school and you really want to transition from management consulting into product management, very clear, a very sort of common path. Well, your profile today may talk about your management consulting experience. And that's great if you want to get a job at McKinsey or BCG, but if you want to make the switch, you've got to make sure that your profile shines a signal focused on product management to future PM recruiters, hiring managers and members of that industry. And so By having a really strong profile that's very clear about your intentions, and as Wayne Gretzky said, is showing where you're skating to, not where the puck has just been, you can make sure that that these recruiters find you and they, they sort of seek you out for opportunities. So that's the defense side. On the offense side, once you get accepted into business school, once you have a sense of where you're headed, that's when you want to reach out, not in an overbearing manner, but in a tactful way to the alumni of that school and say, hey, I'm an incoming student and I see that you're a PM at Google, or you're a PM at Snapchat, could I talk to you about your experience? Could I learn about what it's like to be a PM day in and day out in the tech industry? And that's where you're starting to build these new relationships through your alma mater to really understand what this role is about. Is it right for you? And then potentially, who could open a door for you someday that lets you into those august firms? So play defense, play offense, and you can do both on LinkedIn.
0: I think that's a great way to break it down for folks in an easily digestible manner. Um, one of the things that you mentioned that, that stuck out to me too was just this notion of being able to write the profile for the role that you're targeting. And inherent in that also means you also need to know kind of the characteristics or the qualities, and then in your example of like what a product manager is or what someone in product management does. And so, using that, I think the other thing that you sh- anyone can do is to go out and study some of the people who are the product managers at Google or Facebook, or at LinkedIn or wh- wherever, and just study and under- try to get a better understanding of, of of what do those people do, right? And so, um, uh, if you want to strengthen your profile, I think that's one thing that you can do. And then the other thing I was just going to add, I love how you mentioned reaching out to alum from those schools or those companies. Um, the nice thing about business school is that uh, there is a There are a lot of things in business school that are pretty universal experience everywhere you go. And the good news is, is that the people who are in the class before you had to do all the same things that you are doing. And so if you ever get lost or you're not sure, just ping one of them and they will, they will actually, they will be glad to kind of help and walk you through it. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's all, it's all right there. Okay. Um, I want to do a little rapid fire, but um, you know, there are a couple of terms that kind of get thrown around and I know you know these well. And so I would love to kind of have you maybe walk through these because these are all things that MBA students will kind of deal with at some point. And so the first one I have is called a warm intro or a warm introduction. What, what is that or what does that mean?
1: Yeah, great question. So let's start with what um, sort of the polar opposite is. Okay. Hold yeah. intro. So basically imagine that you have reached out to someone on LinkedIn maybe who has that PM job that you're really excited about. Well, there are ways of getting their attention, and we can talk about those if you're interested, but your chances of getting through to them, especially if they're really busy, are pretty limited just because of the fact that, hey, they've got a lot of other priorities on their plate. However, let's go back to the fact of how humans actually operate. As a social species, we are hardwired to care about members of our tribe, members of our community. And if you're an outsider, that can be a tough place to be. However, If you're an outsider, how do you make yourself an insider? That's what a warm intro is about. So for example, if I want to reach out to Al to learn how I could find an opportunity at Salesforce, but I didn't know Al directly, I may say, aha, this guy who's in my class in business school does know Al. Could I ask him to make an introduction? And that person introduces me to Sal over email, over LinkedIn, and then lets us sort of hit it off. And a couple of things have happened here. Number one, let me ask you this question, Al. Yeah. If one of your good friends says, you've got to talk to Jeremy, how likely are you to accept that invitation? Pretty much 100%. That's right. It's just pure social proof, right? If someone that you trust and care for vouches for someone, that person's sort of estimation in your mind immediately rises. And then number two, if um, that mutual friend also vouches for me and says, hey, he would be an amazing asset to Salesforce, he has this incredible background, this incredible drive, and now you talk to me and you sort of confirm these things to be true. How likely are you, Al, to make a referral on my behalf at Salesforce? Much, much stronger than, yeah, much, much stronger, yeah. And then one last question. Sure. You know this from actually doing hiring at Salesforce and being involved with that process. How much more likely am I to get an interview at Salesforce if I'm, if I'm referred Signific- versus yeah, then cold doubt. applying? There you go. And so that's, that's the power of a warm intro. You can definitely go on cold, but if you can, go on warm because that increases your odds at every stage.
0: Great, and you alluded to it a little bit, but I would love to dig a little bit further. Uh, That intermediary, that mutual connection, who reached out to me and said, "Hey, you got to talk to Jeremy." What are the types of things you're you're saying to them in the email, or if they're a classmate, you know, kind of saying to them to to ask to get the intro? Like, how can you do that in a way that um, is um, uh, that is appealing?
1: Yeah, totally. Because I think with the fact that you're going to find these second degree connections on LinkedIn. And you're going to find the person who's sort of the intermediary, the person who knows both parties. Sometimes they are going to be people who know you super well. Maybe they're a great friend or someone you worked with for five years. In that case, you could probably say, would you make an intro? And they'll be happy to do it because they can already sing your praises from the hilltops. However, in a lot of cases, they're going to be someone who's a little bit more of a weak tie to begin with. Yes, you may be connected, but maybe you only worked with them for a few months or not at all. In that case, they might be tempted to say, well, well, I'd love to help Jeremy out, but it seems like a lot of work. As with everything in tech, you want to take a friction-filled process and make it frictionless. And the way you do that is by giving them a pre-filled introductory message where basically all they have to do is forward that message to Al. So, hi, Al, this is Jeremy. So-and-so was kind enough to introduce us. I'm really excited to learn from your experience at Salesforce. They forward it over, they CC you, and now they're done and they can feel really good about the nice sort of charitable act they did without spending more than a minute on it. That's a way of making it easier and increasing your odds.
0: I think that's a great tactical approach to it. And I also love what you said in terms of having that email that they could just forward on. Uh, When someone does that for me, I am so much more willing to jump on it right away. Because it just is, you just make it so easy for the person to say yes to, right? It's like frictionless. I think, as you said. Um, So I'm a big, I am personally a big fan of that. And whenever I do get one of those, if it's easy for me to do, I will just do it right away because it it just is. It's it's easy. It's easy to kind of process and do in real time. Um, Okay. Every now and then, there's that person that you want to reach out to, but there's no intermediary, and so you got to go in cold. Any tips for how to write a
1: kind of a successful kind of cold intro? Absolutely. So I'll mention two things. Number one, there is cold in the sense of, wow, I don't know anyone common, but there are still ways to warm up even the coldest connection. And what I mean are, what else do you have in common if not a human bridge? So for example, did they go to a school that you also went to? You can find that on LinkedIn. Did they also work for a company that you might've used to work for? You can find that on LinkedIn under the past companies filter. Did they volunteer for an NGO that you volunteered for and share the passions that you share? You can search for Habitat for Humanity and all Salesforce employees and find out that more than a thousand Salesforce employees volunteered Habitat just like you do. And then the first sentence of your message is already written for you as a fellow former IBMer, as a fellow Habitat volunteer, as a fellow Wellesley grad. Um, And that's sort of become the connective tissue that gets them interested at the very beginning. So that's the first piece. Always try to find some way to warm it up. And then, number two, I'm gonna ask you this question, Al. Who do you think is every human being's favorite topic of conversation? Who in the world?
0: Ooh, who is everyone's favorite topic of conversation?
1: Oh, I know this incredible. is a little cynical and a little self centered, but you'll see where I'm going here. Mm,
0: you got me. I Okay, I, sorry about this. Sorry no, to put no, you on no, the no. spot.
1: So it's themselves. Fair enough, yes. But unfortunately, um, if you look at the vast majority of emails that MBAs send to alumni, the focus is not on the alum. Who is the focus on Al?
0: It's on the individual who's sending it.
1: Right, the student. And so the problem is like, yeah, alumni want to help out. They want to pay it forward to the next generation. But if it's all about like, here's how great I am. Here's why I'd be amazing for your company. That's a huge turnoff. Versus imagine that same student sends an email that says, I was thrilled to come across your profile as a fellow bulldog and I would love to learn about how you built your career, the decisions you made, and any sort of things that you would advise for the next generation. How does that feel as an alum, as an alum of UNC? Um, Al, what would you say to that?
0: That, that sounds a lot more appealing uh, for sure.
1: Cool, cool. Because I think the reality is, is that people have this innate desire, um, what you call generativity, to basically take the expertise that is so hard won and share it with someone. Not bottle it up, not lock it away, but to pass it on and pay it forward. But you've gotta give them an opportunity. You've gotta give them a pedestal and a microphone and a spotlight to share that expertise. And if you make them the focus of your email, you're gonna have a much higher response rate than if you're in your own spotlight.
0: I love that advice. And what I like most about it is two things. Number one, and- this shouldn't come as a surprise, but this is going to take a little bit of work and a little bit of research, but that's okay. Um, But number two, what it really speaks to is that when you're doing this, you need to personalize uh, the the outreach that you do, right? It's not something that can be cookie cutter. And I've definitely gotten my fair share of cookie cutter reach outs in my day. And I'd, I'd be the first to admit, I probably have sent some as well. Um, but it really does take a little bit of thought into making sure that when you're reaching out to someone that you are personalizing it with that NGO, with that um, interest, with that, uh, with that uh, mutual thing that you have in common with them. And so uh, the good news is, is that there are tools at your disposal to go and do that. So it's well within, well within your reach, uh, but it will take a little bit of work. So we've talked a lot about LinkedIn, and I know you are kind of the guru at it. And so I would love to kind of maybe walk through another scenario. Um, So let's say that um, you're Jane Doe, and because you're really smart, you're a first-year MBA student at the University of Michigan, Ross School of Business, and let's say you're interested in brand management. Um, What should Jane be doing on LinkedIn um, to her advantage, whether it's for networking, whether it's for company research? like What what, what can Jane be doing to get more up to speed in brand management or talking with uh, Ross alum
1: in brand management positions? Well, first of all, you're absolutely right that Jane is super smart because he's going blue, <laughs> going the right kind of blue. Al, uh, <laughs> saying from the Wolverine to a Tar Heel over here. Um, but seriously, I think there are two things that she should be focusing on, and it goes back to the sort of the offense and defense I was talking about. And I would actually prioritize offense in Jane's case, and I'll explain why. If Jane is like a classic MBA, myself included, Jane is going to fall prey to FOMO the minute she steps on the campus, which is the consulting club or the brand marketing club or the CPG club is going to say, hey, this is the sexiest job. You've got to go for it. She's going to be like, you know what? I'm just going to follow the crowd. And the problem with that is I've seen a stat and you've probably seen something similar, Al, that like MBAs, like 50% have changed jobs after the first year of graduation, which is kind of ridiculous if you think about it because the whole point of business school is to get you on a better footing in your career, a place where you can double down and grow, not just flip from thing to thing. And what that tells me is too many MBAs, and again, myself included here, basically follow the herd, do what their friends are all excited about, and then decide it's not right for them after having made a really expensive decision in the other direction. And so if Jane wants to avoid that fate, before she builds a beautiful profile and talks about her passion for brand management, she should do her homework. Reach out to the alumni who are actually doing those jobs, or better yet, the ones who used to do those jobs and have now moved on and said, hey, what happened? what do you actually do all day as a brand manager? What do you love about it? What do you hate about it? And as she lets all that information waft over her, she's thinking internally, what would it feel like to be doing this job right now? Would I hop out of bed every morning at 6 a.m. because I'm so excited to do all this? Or would it drive me crazy? Would it be my kryptonite? And if she can figure that out now, she's just saved herself probably $200,000 and years of her life going in the absolute wrong direction because she can now pivot to clean tech or Bitcoin or iBanking or whatever it is that is a better path for her by actually learning what those paths are really like, not just going with FOMO. So that's the first thing. And then and only then, after she's done that offense, done that homework, figured out the right path for her, then she goes back to the defensive side and builds out a perfect profile that shines a beautiful uh, bright bat signal out to the world of recruiters that says, if you are looking for the next rising star brand manager, I'm your gal. And she can do that by having brand management in her headline, which is the single most important part of the entire profile as far as the algorithm is concerned, because it's least likely to be gamed, as well as all the most important keywords in her summary, which is the second most important section. And that way when recruiters do a search for brand manager, getting an MBA, graduating in 2021, guess what? James is at the top of the list versus all the other ones who just say MBA grad 2021 with no clear focus, no clear passion.
0: Awesome. I love that advice. And there's a couple of things that you said that really stuck out to me. I think the first thing is, is I, I love the tactical piece of advice of reaching out to people who used to have the job that you are looking for. I can tell you, as a former management consultant, whenever someone reaches out to me to ask about consulting, I say, absolutely, I will tell you everything that you want to know about mm-hmm. it. Um, because you know, a lot of times, like it's great to talk to someone who has both the perspective of being in the trenches as well as being removed and can kind of give you the give and take of both sides of it. So I I love that practical piece of advice like there. Um, And then I think the other thing I was gonna say is that totally agree with you about the idea of FOMO um, and sometimes following the herd as I like to say. And it was always fascinating to me. So much of business school is about identifying that next career path and finding that internship and finding that full-time offer. And to your point, there is about 50% of MBA graduates who within the first two years change jobs. And you know, people take their own journeys and that's great. But um, I think to your point, the best way to find success for yourself is to pave the path that is your own and not necessarily align to what is the sexiest or what everyone else is doing or what you think you other people think you should be doing. It really is just about yours. And that's easy for me to say, and it's easy for you to say, and I know it's a little bit harder to follow when you're in the trenches, but I think it's a good thing to remind yourself of um, when you're feeling overwhelmed or you ever feel like you ought to do something. I think that's important to remember. Great. Okay. Um, so you uh, you teach thousands of students and professionals, the you know, the basics of LinkedIn, how to use, how to use it to your advantage in the job search, how to use it to break into tech, um, you know, very tactically. What are your two or three pieces of advice uh, for students that they can, they can kind of run with today?
1: Yeah. So I would say that um, I'm going to really speak to the moment that we're in right now, yeah. which is sort of this crisis that's folding very, unqu- very quickly, but also unclearly. We're not sure what the future holds. So if you are a prospective MBA student or accepted MBA student or matriculating MBA student, you're trying to figure out how do I navigate this all of a sudden uncertain world, I would say what you really want to do is use this rare moment of essentially a break in society. People are working from home. People are probably working less um, to reach out and really invest in a a dual journey of self-discovery and external discovery. So we've already talked about the external discovery quite a bit. How do you reach out to alumni? How do you find out what their jobs are like? How do you sort of identify Um, what might be a, a really attractive or not attractive feature of a given career path. What we haven't talked about so much is that internal piece. And so I would say, especially in this moment when we're all stuck on Zoom and FaceTime, take whatever you've discovered and share it with your community, whether it's your parents, your siblings, your best friends, even people you haven't spoken to in a while, but whose opinion you really respect. Because if you can do that processing now, before you get to the FOMO factory that is business school, before you can get to the uncertain future that is six months from now. And you know with crystal clarity that my North Star is X, no matter what the world throws in your way as far as chaos or changes or curveballs, you're gonna have that map to get there because you've done your homework, you know where you belong and you know how to get there. And so I would try to lay down that infrastructure today and that way when the world sort of um, comes at you with different looks and different variables, you're ready. You've got that proverbial umbrella over you because you've invested in that insurance and that peace of mind that comes from knowing the world and knowing yourself.
0: I think that's great advice. And I would also add to that, the things that were important pre this world we are in today are just as important, if not more important. Networking was important a few weeks ago. It's even more important now. Uh, Self-discovery was important a few weeks ago. It's even more important now. And the other thing to your point, uh, I've noticed lately, and this has happened a couple times, I've logged on the LinkedIn and I've seen so many network posts. Um, I'm carving out time in my day to make time for students. Mm. Um, all you need to do is like email me or um, go to this link to sign up for this calendar. I think there are a lot of people right now who uh, believe in the goodness of the world and are trying to contribute to it. And so I also agree with you, Jeremy. I think now is a great time to take... Um, advantage of the fact that there are people who are out there who probably were always willing to help, but feel more called to do that at this point. And so, um, you know, take that and, and and kind of run with it as you will. But like, I think there's a lot of pe- this is a great time to, to go out and reach and network and build relationships. Um, so lastly, but not least, um, you have a lot of resources that are available that are out there, which I think are all really fantastic. But um, I would love to hear from you just um, if you could share, you know, where's the best place to find all the great thought leadership and courses and content that you have? You know, where can I direct people to who are looking to get more up to speed, whether it's to break into tech or to get more knowledge about how they can use LinkedIn to power their networking success?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, basically all the stuff that I've already spoken about is available in much more detail, all visual, all free at my website, breakinto.tech. So if you're focused on PM careers or product marketing, that's where you want to go. And if you're interested, particularly in LinkedIn, go to linkedinguys.com. And again, a whole profile checklist that walks you through all the stuff we've alluded to in much greater detail about how to send that perfect bat signal out to the world of recruiters. So check those resources out. And then no matter what the world throws at you in the next few weeks and months, um, I'm happy to help. I know Al is happy to help as well. Um, And just know that you've got a bigger network than you realize out there rooting for you. um, And we wish you tremendous success.
0: Jeremy, Thank you so much for being here today, for sharing your expertise and your advice. Um, It's been great to have you, great to have you and uh, it's great to to catch up as well. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for the opportunity, Al.
0: Hi everyone, Al D here. And thank you so much for listening to the NBA Insider Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to head over to iTunes and write a review. It will take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have For how I can improve it. You can find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschool.com to learn more.